0: Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we go hands-on with Kirby's first 3D adventure, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and spotlight other cool new Nintendo Switch games. My name is Chris. In this episode, I'm joined by Teresa from Nintendo Treehouse. Hi, Teresa.
1: Hello, Chris.
0: Thanks for coming back on the show. And we have another returning guest, Camille from the communications team at Nintendo of America. Hi, Camille.
1: Hey, Chris. Always happy to be here.
0: Always glad to have you. And I've been really excited uh, to talk to you guys both today because we've all recently had a chance to play the final version of Kirby and the Forgotten Land And I'm super excited to talk about it because it's one of the games that I've personally been looking forward to the most ever since it was announced. So, should we just get right to it?
2: Let's do it. I could talk about this game all day.
0: (laughs) All right, well, we'll do our best here. So, for those who maybe don't know as much about Kirby and the Forgotten Land, um, it's the first fully 3D platformer that the series has had. So, while it very much still feels like classic Kirby gameplay, it's also brought to life in a totally new way. And I have to say that while I haven't finished the game yet... Um, so far, it's honestly my personal favorite Kirby game, so I just can't wait to get back in and play even more of it. So before I start digging into why it's it's my favorite so far, Camille, do you want to start by by telling us you know, how you've been liking the game so far?
1: Oh, Chris, well, I have to totally agree with you. I've dabbled in the Kirby series many times over the years, and this is by far my favorite, I think, um, for some of the reasons you suggest, but the fact that it is... The first truly 3D platforming Kirby game, Uh, I'm just really enjoying that added level of exploration and puzzle solving. And as a collector myself, I really appreciate the added level of difficulty that goes into every level. If you want to collect all of the waddle dees that are missing and find all of the hidden items and... You know, one of my other favorite things about this game is that it introduces, in addition to a lot of Kirby's well known copy abilities, this new mode called Mouthful Mode, which I personally am having so much fun with. And I'm always surprised at these new abilities that. Kirby gains as he inhales different objects throughout the world to, again, solve puzzles in in really creative and different ways, whether it is inhaling a cone or a roller coaster car or uh, a staircase. I'm always surprised by the differences in each world and what you really get to explore and uncover uh, as you're wandering around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mouthful Mode is definitely one of my favorite new additions to the game. Um, Teresa, what about the game has really jumped out to you the most so far?
2: Oh, man. Everything that you've said already, but both you and Camille, it, that that pretty much hits it. Uh, the first time that I played the game, uh, just the expanse and how colorful and vibrant the world was immediately captivated me. Um, watching Kirby's expressions, like he is such an expressive character uh, everything that he does, um, there's even like a, a nice little Easter egg that the game gives you uh, when you press the – if you're playing single player and you have – or actually uh, in two-player co-op as well, if, um, if you hit the – or press the directional buttons, uh, you can uh, emote. Uh, uh, both Kirby and Bandana Waddle Dee um, with four different expressions but also when you're idle he'll he'll do some really cute expressions as well so um, just the game is so charming um, the Waddle Dees are, are super cute even the antagonists, the Beast Pack they're super cute as well even though they're quite challenging um, to uh, fence off against um, but yeah, there's just so much to do in this game Um, From the 3D platforming adventure aspect um, to the kind of light narrative to the expanding Waddle D Town, evolving copy abilities, which the game kind of introduces, and the different cosmetics between the different forms of each copy ability. Um, It really allows the player to just really personalize the way that they want to play. I mean, there's even two different difficulties to choose from. Um, So, yeah, I just... Uh, I absolutely love this game. It's great. Uh, the very first Kirby game that I played was way back in the day. Um, in it was Kirby's Dreamland on Nintendo Game Boy that released in uh, 1992, which is funny to mention because uh, since this is 2022, it's been 30 years of Kirby. Um, so it's with Kirby and the Forgotten Land coming out now. It's a, a nice way to. To kind of pay homage to the character, um, I kind of actually want to touch on the character Kirby himself because, um, again, 1992 was the first game that he that was for Kirby's first game, and he was created by Masahiro Sakurai, and that name might be familiar to some people. Um, that happens to be the uh, the game director and creator of Super Smash Brothers, um, and. When he was eighteen, nineteen, he was working at Hal Laboratory, and he created Kirby. Um, and so it it holds a very special place in everybody's hearts here at Nintendo and also at Hal Laboratory that you know own Kirby. And um, I'm sure also to Masahiro Sakurai, since he he survived the uh, Kazuya purge in that trailer. So um, it's uh, it's really cool just to to see him in this. New game.
0: That's right. I remember in that trailer for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, the uh, the story mode. It was interesting to see that uh, when all the heroes got taken out, Kirby was the one that was left. And I remember that had such a great reaction. And I think maybe a lot of new Kirby fans were made through the Super Smash Brothers series. Uh, I think that's probably true for a lot of characters because you know those games expose you to so many um, different franchises. But um, but yeah, Maya, I wish I could go back to the very, very original. Kirby game and claim that I've been a Kirby fan ever since then, but I kind of missed a lot of those early games for some reason. And so it wasn't until, I want to say around like the Nintendo DS era, there were a lot of cool kind of Kirby spin-off games happening that didn't kind of have the normal Kirby platforming mechanics, but, but kind of had different takes, you know, and there was a lot of really creative um, games starring Kirby that I really got into, and then that brought me into more of the mainline series, and I've been checking them out ever since, but I can't ever remember being uh, just kind of as engrossed in a a Kirby game as I have been with Kirby and the Forgotten Land. And and you talked about, you know, well, I guess I should back up for just a second. You know, I I think, um, you know, the structure of this game won't be too surprising to a lot of fans of of Nintendo platforming games. You know, each world has several main stages. Plus, um, there are some shorter challenge areas uh, and a boss um, in each world. And um, you know the, the the key thing that you're after in this game, in case uh, people don't know, is you're trying to uh, to find and save these captured Waddle Ds. And Waddle Ds, I kind of think of as kind of like the Toads of the Kirby universe, right? The Toad from Super Mario Brothers games. You know, there's a lot of them, and they all kind of you know have a very similar look. But you, you've got your special ones. And um, and so as you're going through each of these these levels, trying to figure out where the Waddle Ds are. Um, sometimes you just come across one in a cage and you just you, that's that's fairly straightforward. A lot of times they're kind of hidden and you need to require a certain puzzle or find a secret area um, to get it or even beat a special timed challenge. So I think that's really fun because you don't always know in each stage um, how to get every single waddle-dee uh, and um, and figuring that out is a lot of the fun. So, of course, then you go from you know, world to world and each time you go into a world, you've got a different kind of environment. And um, But you always want to go back, or at least I do, because I think, Camille, you mentioned being a completionist, but I I never feel like I really want to fully move on from a level until I've uncovered every secret, found every Waddle Dee, and kind of checked it off at at
1: 100%. Yes, I totally agree. I think the replayability on this game is something that I've really been enjoying. And, Chris, you mentioned those sort of secret levels, which are the Treasure Road levels. And um, if you just go in and complete them, you know, at your own pace, they're, they're not too difficult, but each one has sort of a challenge time that you can compete against. And I found that the difficulty really ramps up quickly as you progress through the game. And so that's something that I've really enjoyed uh, as I'm going through. And, uh, you know, as a completionist, I feel like I have to beat those challenge times. I have to collect all the waddle dees. And so I found myself going back through several of the levels multiple times. and it's fun uh, to really explore the levels themselves because some of the some of the challenges to find the hidden waddle Ds are fairly obvious. Um, one of the and they some of them are really silly too, which I enjoy, like one of the levels you have to eat a certain number of cans of tuna, for example, which is really random and fun. But then other ones, you know, I'll get through the end of the level and feel like, yes, I fully explored this level, but I'll see that I missed one of the challenges. And and sometimes it'll give you a hint and tell you what you missed, but other times you won't quite know what you've missed. And so it really encourages you to go back and explore even further. Um to find those those additional waddle D's in the level, so I'm having a lot of fun with that myself. yeah, definitely the The stages are very interesting
2: in having that that mission the the different missions, so it gives you objectives to really pursue. And like Camille mentioned that they don't they're not always immediately obvious. Some of them are pretty, pretty straightforward, and others you have to explore every nook and cranny. And really experiment with Kirby's different copy abilities and also Mountful Mode um, to uncover those missions. So then, by completing those missions, that's how you get and rescue the Waddle Dees. So, um, yeah, there is definitely a lot to pursue in this game. Um, There is replayability, there is um, an increasing challenge as you progress through the game too so definitely encourages the player to keep experimenting and trying different things to keep moving and progressing
1: something else that i really enjoyed and i found myself especially in the first couple of playing through the first couple of levels in the game was just how charming the world is and all of the characters and Teresa, you mentioned the beast pack earlier and the a uh, woofies which are the precious little dog enemies. I know they're enemies, but I couldn't help but as I was going through the first level, stopping to take screenshots or videos of the things that they were doing, because you'll, as you're wandering through a level, you might see a Nawofi just. Sleeping on a bench. She's got a little snot bubble coming out of his nose, having a very leisurely (laughs) afternoon. Uh, And so I've just enjoyed the world itself and really capturing some of those moments as I've been going along too. Don't you feel bad for interrupting them in their sleep? I know. There's (laughs) moments where I'm sorry to bother you.
2: (laughs) I won't even attack them. I'll just leave them being like, it's fine.
1: Sometimes I'll just take a picture and move along.
0: I know my favorite thing, uh, my favorite copy ability actually in the game is one of the new ones, and it's um, the Ranger set. So, you know, you you arm Kirby with these pop guns, and, um, you know, you can, I really like kind of charging it up so that when you target um, something and then you release this huge barrage. And I'll just go through the level just blasting away these very cute little critters, <laughs> and I feel a little bit guilty, but then I think, well, everything in this world is just so adorably cute, <laughs> um, you know, so they just all have... You know, have to be dealt with. I guess.
2: Yeah. So, fun fact: um, Kirby's copy. Kirby didn't always have copy abilities. So, in his original game, again, our first game in 1992, Kirby's Dreamland, he didn't have copy abilities. He he just inhaled enemies and spit them out. So that's you know, we still see that to this day. Um, it was only in the NES a game, Kirby's Adventure, where Kirby first got copy abilities, and then that has expanded as, you know, the other games have come out. And so, uh, Chris, as you mentioned, uh, Ranger and Drill are brand-new copy abilities that are introduced in uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and they also have different forms if you involve them. Um, So they're really fun. They're, like, all the copy abilities have a lot of character, they're all really fun to play. Um, they're all really fun to evolve and to make stronger. Um, so they're just really, really cool to mess around with.
0: Yeah, and I really love, like you said, evolving the copy abilities at um, uh, Waddle Dee's weapon shop in the Waddle Dee town that you unlock pretty early in the game. And then as you go through the game and you you save more Waddle Dees, they go back to the town. And, and the more people live there, the more kind of locations they build up in the town, which... Unlocks some mini games or some additional resources you can take advantage of. Um, but I love going into into the the Waddle Dee's Weapon Shop after having found kind of a new blueprint or, or plan for one of the weapon upgrades, and then um, uh, or sorry, one of the copy ability upgrades, and then getting to see what uh, that upgrade looks like and how it makes your your attacks and your other uh, uh, you know abilities um, just even cooler and more more robust to the point where. You know, you start out shooting fireballs, and eventually you're flying around as like a flame dragon. <laughs> so it gets, it gets really, really cool. So yeah. let me ask you both: What are your favorite copy abilities in the game so far? Ooh! If you had to pick one,
2: I I mean, I'm pretty partial to fire just because of my pretty uh, temptuous personality. So I really <laughs> love fire. It's just, it's an iconic. A copy ability. I absolutely love the look, and I just love um, there's a there's moments in the game where you will use fire to solve puzzles, and I just feel like it's a super fun way to interact with um, that copy ability. So I really like that one.
1: That's such a good one, Teresa. And I, oh, I'm so torn. I okay, I'm gonna say ice. Primarily because I just love the fact that when you have the ice copy ability, Kirby ice skates around (laughs) the world as he's exploring, and it just makes it feel so fun, kind of magical and whimsical, and then he can freeze enemies in place too, so it adds another level of... Strategy and you can kick frozen enemies into each other. So I've really enjoyed the the ice copy ability, but I, I will say fire is another favorite of mine.
2: A fire and ice. And those are actually fun <laughs> copy abilities too because um, right now from the top of my head, they're the one copy abilities that you can see the effect that they have on enemies when you attack with them because yes. with ice, you'll see gradually as you keep using ice on an enemy, they will start forming ice crystals to the point that they will freeze and you can stall them from their abilities. So it's really cool, again, to experiment with the different copy abilities and see the cause and effect that they have in the game.
0: Absolutely. And one thing that I really like about the copy abilities is, um, well, really pertains to the level design because um, there'll be certain areas of, of levels where... They've really, you can tell they've really been ta- tailored to a certain copy ability, and usually just before you enter that area, you'll have the the opportunity to, to grab that ability, so you, you're prepared. But in that way, it almost becomes like its own little mini game, and um and it reminds me a little bit of you know using different abilities in like a game like Super Mario Odyssey, where it really changes the flow of the gameplay um, depending on the feature set that you have at the time and how you're able to interact with the world. I think there are certain areas you probably you know, can't access or at least you can't do certain things unless you are you are equipped with a certain copy ability. So that becomes like a whole other level of strategy as you're going through the levels.
2: Yeah, and the same thing applies with mouthful mode. There are certain areas that you won't be able to reach unless you have the, the mouthful mode that's residing in that area that you need to use. Um, and so, and also if you happen to have a copy ability active, so like Kirby's has one, And you end up also enabling Mouthful Mode. Mouthful Mode will take precedence, so you won't be able to use both abilities at the same time. Um, But in order for you to use the copy ability again, you'll just have to drop Mouthful Mode. But it's very unique on, you know, Kirby's, Kirby's innate and natural ability is to inhale and copy enemy abilities. Mouthful Mode really is an ability that he has gained because he has traveled to this new world, this new and mysterious world that there's a lot of unknowns and that's what you end up unraveling as you play through this game.
0: And uh, mouthful mode is another thing that maybe even more drastically than copy ability sometimes changes up um, how you play in a stage. I mean, there'll be whole portions of stages that require, you know, a certain mouthful mode. And my favorites are when you encounter the race car And there'll be these little timed sections where you have to kind of get from the starting line to the finish line past a bunch of challenges. And uh, some of them, if you want to maybe unlock a hidden waddle D, you really have to beat them in like an exceptionally fast time. And I would just keep, and when you get to the end of that, you have the option to continue through the level. Or if you want, kind of go back to the start and redo that little portion. If you think you can do it faster and i just got i was just looping on that one night on one of the levels because i knew i could shave another second or two off and i was finding all sorts of cool shortcuts and things like that so i really like that the game you know th- can be deep in that way that you can just you know pass it you know just meet the minimum requirements pass it and continue on and, and enjoy your time that way or you can really challenge yourself and dial in and i think that That kind of philosophy comes to you in a lot of different ways in the game.
2: For sure. If you're a completionist, again, like Camille, that wants to get, like, every single capsule (laughs) and every single mission, there's definitely a lot of that in that game um, to enjoy. It very
1: much rewards you for exploring. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's one one part I was playing just last night where you're kind of gliding using a mouthful mode ability, and uh, it becomes like a whole other flying game at that point. And I was, I knew I was missing something and I'm not going to say what the solution was, but like my fourth time through, I spotted something I hadn't seen before and I realized there's a kind of a clever way to access it. So, you know, my, my brain's always kind of looking for that little thing off to the side, you know, that's, that's going to get me that extra goody. Yeah. And then I was just going to say, you know, revisiting what we were saying about Waddle D town. I mean, some of the stuff you unlock, like we mentioned Waddle D's weapons shop, there's the gotcha machine alley, which is where you. As you're collecting star coins throughout the game, you can spin them to you know turn the crank and grab a little 3D model of something that uh, you know is in the game. You can collect those; that's a lot of fun. And then Waddle Dee Cinema, where you can kind of go rewatch some of the cinema scenes from the game. Um, there's a I, specifically I want to mention. There's a place called Waddle Dee Cafe where you can play kind of a, a fun little mini game where you're serving the lunch crowd. And um, that's not the only little mini game I've encountered in, in the town. So I feel like we're past Kirby platformers have kind of been very well known for having not just a main platforming mode, but also all these additional kind of like, um, you know, smaller games that are completely different types of games, usually accessible from the title screen. In this game, I feel like all that kind of variety and those different ideas are, are kind of more naturally kind of woven into the, 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 the main kind of platforming experience whether it's mini games that are available in Waddle D Town or some of these special challenges that you can access from the map, some of which are hidden and you kind of have to find on the map, that really test your ability with certain copy uh, abilities. So I feel like there's a lot of fun variety that, you, you know, Kirby fans will be used to, but kind of presented in a different way this time.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and then to to speak to Waddle D Town, yeah, as you rescue more Waddle Ds, and I, I think that invites that whole cycle of you wanting to replay uh, stages in order to complete missions. So then you rescue more Waddledees and then therefore progress Waddle Town. There's so much different activities that will, um, will basically appear as you develop this town. So it's always fun to just go back, take a break from playing, you know, the regular stages and missions and just go back and kind of decompress and try different things that are there um, from the different Uh, games that are there so there's um, a couple that you're able to play in two player co-op that I actually want to talk about here in a a second Um, and there's also a sort of boss wave arena called Coliseum um, that you can kind of play and test your might there Um, so that's really fun as well Um, but going back to two player co-op it's really fun that this game has that option to play two-player co-op it is on the same system the second player will always be bandana waddle d and the first player will always be kirby Um, but even though bandana waddle d doesn't have the same abilities as kirby does uh, he has his own skill set he attacks with the spear um, and he's got some really awesome moves Um, there's one in particular that i really like that he does which is sort of um, a helicopter um, and he just rains down spears on the enemies and it's just so cool to see. It's so much fun. Um, and, um, you know, for a dynamic of, you know, players that maybe there's a younger child that thinks that, you know, changing between the copy abilities or mouthful mode and solving the puzzles with Kirby is a little bit too complex, um, The younger player could always play as Bandana Waddle Dee, which is a little bit simpler, but still feel like they're engaged in making a difference in the gameplay because they're able to attack enemies and also solve puzzles. Um, So it's really fun to have, you know, that that option of playing two-player and sharing the adventure together and experiencing um, the progression of the game. Um, They're both really fun characters to play. I, I really can't choose between the two because they both have their, their perks. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, the game just offers a lot of variety.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I think that I'm just going to say the biggest surprise that I've had playing the game so far, we've talked about the variety and we've talked about, you know, two player and you touched on something, you know, you mentioned that, um, that by playing two-player and partnering up maybe with a, a younger or less experienced player, the game kind of really scales in that way. And I kind of touched on that, too, how you can kind of just play through, the, you know, meet the, meet the minimum requirements of a stage, or you can go back in and challenge yourself to do some of the trickier things. One other thing that I wanted to mention that I noticed that I didn't even realize was in the game was, um, you know, there was one of the challenges, and this isn't much of a spoiler, it's in the very first world, but one of the things you're you're required to do to, um, to rescue one of the optional Waddle Ds in the first world is beat the first boss, which is the same boss that was in the uh, the demo that's that's now available. Um, beat that boss without taking any damage. And you know, I tend to think of Kirby games generally as games that I can just sit back and relax and not not really. Uh, you know, I'm not really thinking I'm going to get a, a tough challenge. But it was pretty tricky um, beating that boss. It took me several tries to do it without taking any damage. But in doing that, one of the things and pushing myself, one of the things I learned is that you can block and you can you can dodge in this game. And um, in fact, if you time your dodge just right, like when you know the enemy's taking a swipe at you. You dodge to the side, and the game goes into slow motion for a couple of seconds, and gives you a window to get a really good counter attack in. So, you know, there's a little bit of a of an advanced technique there that you can kind of master if you really want to get into it um, to be able to pull off some of those tougher challenges. So, I really appreciated that, and I've really been um, trying to challenge myself to to find everything, you know, and tackle the the tougher um, optional challenges. But um, I've been surprised, pleasantly surprised. How how tough some of those are. Of course, I am playing on wild mode, which is the tougher difficulty. And um, and like I said, if anybody is really looking for just uh, more of a, a, a easy breezy kind of classic Kirby experience, that's totally there. But for someone like me who, who plays a lot of games and is looking for that extra challenge, I was very happy to find it in this game.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like if if people would rather just enjoy, you know, a really um, calmer or chiller. Uh, not-so-challenging experience. There is Spring Breeze mode, which uh, provides more health, um, versus Wild mode will have the more challenging enemies and give you more rewards. Um, But, uh, like, again, like, having that second player also helps assist a lot of some of that challenge. Evolving copy abilities also um, assists on some of that challenge. Um, But you're right, Chris, there is there is quite a uh, there is some challenge uh, as well to experience in the game because again like trying to complete all those uh, missions and um you know the bosses get harder and the bosses keep coming in every area um and um yeah there's also um just the uh opportunity too if people are having Difficulty in, like, progressing something because it's just so challenging. Uh, going back to Waddle Town, uh, players can exchange their star coins, which is the in-game currency, in order to get stock items. And so those stock items can either replenish health. Um, there's even some to help boost your attack um, or increase your health bar if you want to. Um, and those same items you can actually acquire through um, some present codes. And if you have played the free eShop demo and you've completed that, you'll have a present code um, that you could redeem in the in the full version of the game so you can get those items, you know, to kind of help you in your adventure. Um, and similarly, too, if you have any amiibo, uh, you'd be able to also tap them into the game to get those um, same helpful items that could help you on that adventure as well. Um, so, yeah, there's just a lot of opportunities that if uh, players want the challenge, it's there. Um, if players want a little bit of uh, ease into just playing the game, there is different opportunities to kind of help you along.
0: Definitely. Well, we could talk about this game all day, like you guys said earlier. (laughs) It's about time to move on. But um, Camille, any last thoughts um, from you on Kirby and the Forgotten Land?
1: Oh, I would just reiterate how fabulous this game has been for me. It's just, you know, I I think we've talked about the scaling of difficulty and it really is a game that I've found myself going to to unwind from a long day and really being able to just sit back and take in the scenery, the music, the visuals, but then also knowing that that added layer of challenge is there for the completionist in me as well. And uh, like I said, I've taken... I cannot remember the last game that I have stopped to take so many screenshots and videos in just because I have enjoyed the world and the character so much, and I'm constantly surprised and delighted by Kirby's reactions to different moments, uh, like when he engages in a new mouthful mode, or Teresa, I think you mentioned earlier how Kirby can emote in different situations. And I found myself sometimes going into Waddle Dee Town and running up to all of the different Waddle Dees that I've saved and saying, hi, hi, (laughs) and just watching Kirby's reaction. And then the Waddle Dees respond back as you emote at them. So there's just really so much to love about this game. And I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks of it when they get their hands on it.
2: Yeah, and uh, I want to go back to just to talk about Kirby, again, in general, the character, like, people don't have to have played the previous games to really jump into this one. Um, This is its own standalone um, game. And Kirby, it's really a testament to, you know, Kirby's versatility, not only as a hero from all of his, you know, abilities, you know, the copy abilities um, and mouthful mode. Because, you know, he's super powerful and, and just being able to do all these things just by inhaling enemies, which is so iconic. But um, just also how versatile he is as a character and having transcended so many different genres of games because he started off at a platforming genre and he's had so many different spinoffs. Um, and Chris, as you mentioned, this is, you know, his first true 3D platforming adventure that's going back to his origins um, so it's just really, really fun to see our adorable mighty hero in this new title. And I'm really excited too for any, any players that may maybe only recognize Kirby through the Super Smash Brothers game, that maybe they want to know more about that character that they've grown to love in that fighter genre, to to see him in his, you know, the first genre of games that he's played uh, that he first originated from and give this game a try and learn more about about Kirby and the different characters um, in his world.
0: Absolutely. And just to mention it one more time, if anybody does want to give the game a try, um, it's really easy to do so. Um, uh, like we said, there's a free demo available that's got um, three really cool parts from early in the game uh, that anyone can download from Nintendo eShop and check it out. And, um, and we also mentioned this earlier, if, if you complete the demo, uh, you'll get a couple of uh, codes that you can use uh, in the final game if you want to continue on. So um, that, that demo has a really fun boss in it, especially the one I mentioned earlier. So uh, I would encourage everybody to check it out.
2: Yeah. Garimondo is definitely a, uh, a formidable foe from the Beast
0: Pack. He is. And he's like a really cool giant boss right off the bat. So that's a lot of fun. All right, moving on to Nintendo Power Game Club. This episode, instead of picking just one game to discuss, uh, we're actually going to briefly touch on three games. So I asked uh, each of you to recommend a game that you've been enjoying and to tell us a little bit about it. And the games we're going to be talking about are Spiritfarer from Thunder Lotus Games, Pokemon Legends Arceus from Nintendo, and Infernax from Berserk Studio and the Arcade Crew. So, Camille, would you like to start? Um, You can tell me... You know, which of those games you chose, uh, what it's like, why you like it, and and the kinds of players you'd recommend it to?
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, you know me, Chris, and for those of you who've heard me on the podcast before, you know, I'm a big fan of Pokemon games, and one that I have been continuing to really enjoy these last couple of months is Pokemon Legends Arceus. And for me, you know, I've been playing Pokemon games for 25 plus years now, and this was such an incredible way for me to experience the world of Pokemon. I think it's the first time that we've seen the franchise really open itself up a little bit more. Uh, you know, the, There are these expansive open areas that you can explore uh, throughout the Hisui region, which for those of you who may have played Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, and Pokemon Shining Pearl or the original Pokemon Diamond and Pearl back in the day um you know this is that that same region uh the Sinnoh region but in you know several decades in the past and just gives you a look at how the world has evolved to incorporate Pokemon into it and i think the story in this game it was really interesting to me to get a little bit into the lore of how people and Pokemon first started to Coexist together. And uh, one of the things that I've particularly been enjoying is just the gameplay loop and how you're able to uh, research to fill out your Pokedex. You know, in the traditional core Pokemon series, you fill out a Pokedex entry every time you catch a new Pokemon. But in this game, it sort of shakes up the formula a little bit. And in order to complete different Pokedex entries, you have to, for each Pokemon, check off a certain number of tasks specific to that Pokemon. So it may be catch a certain number, evolve a certain number, see them use a specific move a certain number of times. And so there's a lot more variety to completing the Pokedex. And I found that to be such an almost meditative experience where that's something that I'll go to at the end of each day and see which Pocodex entries I haven't filled out yet and then go, um, searching throughout the world to find those Pokemon and check off those entries. And, um, you know, recently, uh, we, we celebrated Pokemon day a couple of weeks ago and released some new content. The daybreak, um, free, it's a free download for Pokemon legends Arceus and it added some more, research quests uh, that you can complete, as well as these <laughs> massive mass outbreaks, which is another sort of mysterious aspect of the Hisui region. And uh, I, I just find that there's so much I keep wanting to go back to and explore. And as a Pokemon fan, I, I I found it to just be such a fun way to enjoy and experience the world and the characters. So that's one that, that I have uh, continue to go back to over the last
0: several weeks. Yeah, I've just started to play that one myself. I'm only a f- couple few hours in, but so far I'm really enjoying how how fresh the game feels. And it's funny because at its core, you're still kind of doing a lot of the same things, right? You're collecting Pokemon, you're fighting Pokemon, but um, just the, the way the different ways that things work uh, is just so interesting. Would you say, is there any one like of those new additions or changes that um, Especially, you know, the stuff that they've they've done to kind of um, kind of represent some of those more classic elements. Is there any one aspect that's really stood out to you as as your favorite kind of new change or addition?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's hard to pick just one, but yeah, I mentioned the the Pokédex aspect and I think the ability to sort of sneak up on Pokémon and take more of a stealth approach to your encounters. So, you can still go in full force and engage in a Pokémon battle throw out uh, a member of your Pokémon party and immediately go into battle, but you can also look for these tall grass areas and sneakily approach Pokemon and try and throw a Pokeball and catch them without having to engage in an encounter as well. And I I feel like it adds another layer of strategy and fun to the game. But then there's also this, this element of danger that really hasn't been present so much in Pokemon games in the past where you your your character the person can be attacked by these wild pokemon as well so you have to be really careful about how you're engaging with the environment and there are what are called the alpha pokemon which you'll know you'll recognize immediately as giant forms of uh regular pokemon one one of my favorites is chansey you know Historically known as one of the sweetest Pokemon, very, um, you know, healing, has healing in nature. Uh, but the alpha form of Chansey is huge and has these glowing red eyes. And um, the alpha Pokemon will attack you, uh, the Pokemon trainer. So you have to be really careful uh, because if you sort of faint in the field, you may lose some of your. Uh, equipment or some of your items so there's a lot more strategy involved I think in the overworld navigation which I've found to be really fun and exciting as as a longtime Pokemon player.
0: Oh that's cool I haven't run into that one yet but I'm gonna have to to be (laughs) be wary and keep my eyes open.
1: Watch out for Alpha Chansey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right so um, Teresa let's move on to you what game did you uh, pick to recommend this time?
2: So I picked Spiritfarer. Um, It is a—how it's been described as a cozy management simulation, but it's just—it's so much more. There's so much more depth to the game. Um, You play as this character called Stella, and she, along with her cat named Daffodil, um, are in the underworld, and they take the job uh, from Karen— For anybody that is into Greek mythos, um, Two Fairy Souls to the Afterlife. Um, It is a pretty bittersweet, heartwarming, heartbreak, beautiful title. Um, There's so much to do. Uh, You'll encounter different souls, and some of them you'll end up seeing them transform into animal uh, spirits, and then they will join you on your boat. um, And you'll be um, following their narrative. It's like creating new memories with them, but also living past memories with them because you'll end up finding out that a lot of these souls that uh, Stella ends up meeting up with, she met them in the real life. Um, in the real world. And um, you'll go through the narrative, too, to find out that um, Stella, uh, what Stella's profession was, how she related to these characters, uh, what her impact was to them. Um, but then eventually you'll have to say goodbye to them because you're ferrying them off. Um, And as you ferry them off, they become constellations in the sky. So it's just, it's very heartbreaking. Um, The music, as well as in the game, is incredible. Um, There's a term called fursan, which causes this emotional impact whenever you hear the audio. And, you know, like, I always compare it to uh, the, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, a trailer, that song that never... That, that wasn't featured in the game, but it's like that got that trumpets ba-ba-ba-ba. So that always like gives that pang in my heart. And that's the same feeling I always get when I'm uh, playing this game and ferrying essentially my friends off um as I remain behind to, you know, help the other souls kind of make peace before they're ready to move on. Um but that's just the narrative part. There's so much more. Um you know, you have this boat, and you're able to upgrade it. Um, you're able to um, add additional partitions to, so then you can cook, you can craft, you can make little houses for these souls that you're you're ferrying in the boat as you're completing missions. You're able to upgrade those those little apartment modules for them. Um, you're and at the same time, you're navigating and you're. Uh, this entire world um, to different locations and islands um, in order to to discover like little hidden secrets and and even unlock additional powers for Stella. Um, they released a they've released a couple of free updates in the in the past year and they I, I think they released the last one to now they have the farewell edition which is the full complete game with the free updates. Um, And so I'm going through, I think, the last two characters that just came out. Um, So I'm still wrapping that up. But I have not been able to put this game down. And it's just I keep revisiting it. Um, It's just it's so beautiful and it's so tender. And I absolutely love it. And for any player that just wants, you know, a chill experience and the game is super rewarding. It's not punishing at all. And you just want to experience a narrative, but also, you know, you like the style of management games like Animal Crossing or even Harvest Moon. Um, this is a little bit of a lighter experience than that, but it's just—it's so rewarding and it's just so comforting and it's just really nice to experience. Um, the whole game itself is just—I, I can't hide, I cannot stop singing its praises. I highly recommend this game to anybody. Um, it's, it's just so beautiful.
0: Well, you've definitely ramped up my interest in that one. I remember seeing the trailers when it first came out, and it looked really interesting. And I, I got that kind of um, beautiful, kind of bittersweet vibe from it that you're talking about. But I didn't get a chance to to check it out back then. Uh, but now after hearing you talk about it, I think I'm going to have to make that more of a priority. It sounds pretty great.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think also in the update and that they released, a, they made two-player uh, co-op and possible as well so the second player will play as daffodil the cat her cat which is really really cute um so it's uh such an adorable game
0: cool well it sounds like maybe you know i missed out early on but with this uh, latest farewell edition and and the the uh those cool new features maybe now's a great time for people like me to jump on
2: yes definitely play it chris i can't (laughs) i cannot recommend it enough it's such a great game
0: will do well now i feel a little bit weird because okay the first two games are like cute or beautiful and you know poignant, and I'm about to to pick one that's just like heavy metal. Basically, it's <laughs> it's called it's called Infernax, and it's from Berserk Studio, which um, strangely to me is the developer of Just Shapes and Beats. I don't know why it's strange. It's not like one developer can only make one kind of game, but it's it's very different than Just Shapes and Beats. Almost nothing the same except um, that both can be quite challenging. Um, so Infernax is kind of an 8-bit style side-scrolling action-adventure game. And I really like it because it plays like a mix of, of two classic NES games, Castlevania 2 and Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. So Infernax has this kind of large, interconnected, um, Metroid-style world with um, you know save points that you'll, you'll come across during your adventure that you can then fast travel to later. Um, you know, there's big... Nasty bosses and kind of like different layers that you you find, which are each kind of like their own mini dungeon, and um and then there's even decision points. So one of the very first things that happens in the game is you arrive to this new land and you get off the boat, and this guy comes up to you and he's like, you know, he's like possessed or cursed or something by this monster, and you have to decide how you're going to deal with him. Do you try to help him or do you fight him? And then you know depending on which you choose, later on in the game that will have an effect. and And there are several points like that throughout the game. So you know, there's this the one group, this kind of shadowy organization that basically tries to recruit you. Um, and so depending on whether or not you you decide to go with them or 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 go against them, you know, can ha- have a big impact in, in how the rest of the game unfolds. So it has that interesting element, you know, added on top of just great kind of like um, classic, you know, action gameplay, um, where you're, you know, getting all these new weapons and spells and abilities that you can use um, in combat, you know, making yourself stronger, you know, uh, upping your health meter, all those great classic things. But it does um, have a real um, tough difficulty, and it has one of those mechanics, almost like a Dark Souls game, where, you know, if you um, perish while you're out, you know, adventuring, and you have to go back to your last save... Um, you know, you could run the risk of losing, um, you know, some of the experience and things like that that you built up. So, you definitely want to save and save often. And to the point where I've been inside of a like a boss dungeon, gotten halfway through it, beat a few of the bosses that were kind of like mid mid uh, mid bosses, mini bosses, and then I'll trek all the way back through and go back outside to save just to make sure that uh, that I don't lose that progress. So, you know, if you're looking for a tough challenge, or if you're a player like me who just really likes those retro style games, um, and you're not put off by kind of like M-rated pixelated gore sometimes, then um, then I would recommend this game to you. And if you do get it, um, and you you know and you know what the Konami code is, the classic Konami code from those old eight uh, bit NES games, um, try that out. Uh, you know on the title screen of this game because it is one of the most satisfying rewards for using the konami code I've ever seen
2: Oh wow so, I'm curious what it is now
0: It's it's really cool I mean I could say but it's it's more fun for you yeah, to discover Yeah we for don't want to
2: spoil it for the audience that's listening but I'm so curious of what it is
0: Yeah it's great it really is It's one of those games and I think the how above and beyond they went with that uh, the reward for the code speaks to the rest of the game there's a lot of um, moments where you can really feel the passion and the love that they had for the, the classic games that inspired Infernax to keep putting more and more content and more and more little things that would be easy to miss, um, but actually kind of encourage you to replay the game multiple times. Um, and sometimes you're able to play it through in, in a very different way than the first time. That's all I'll, I'll say about that. But it is um, there's a lot there to love, and um, especially if you like those old cl- kind of uh, classic games that I mentioned. All right, so three cool games that people can check out. And um, I've definitely got to get on playing more Pokemon Legends Ar- Arceus and checking out Spiritfarer. Um, thankfully, I'm done with Infernax for now. I'm going to do a few more playthroughs in the future. But let's move on to the Warp Zone quiz. Um, so, as usual, I will give you clues to help you identify three games that came out 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and then 30 years ago. And since we skipped the quiz last episode, um, I'm going to present some games that came out um, during the months of both February and March. So, are you ready? Oh
1: wow! Does that mean you've also doubled the difficulty this time, Chris? Oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm such a bad arbiter of how difficult these are or aren't. I always promise they're not going to be too hard, and then maybe they are. We'll see.
2: It's a trap. I feel like I, it's, <laughs> it's a I'm going to fail so badly at this. <sighs>
1: I believe in us, Teresa. All right, let's, all right. Optimism. Let's do it. Optimism.
0: <laughs> We'll see. Just remember, this is a team sport, so feel free to work together on this. (laughs) All right, so 10 years ago, this is in March of 2012, the clues are Masahiro Sakurai, the man behind the Super Smash Bros. series, brought back a classic Nintendo hero in this series, Rebirth, for Nintendo 3DS, in which you fought mythological monsters in the sky and on the ground with stylus-controlled action, all while having funny conversations with memorable characters. Any guesses? Kid Icarus Uprising. Kid
1: Icarus, yeah. That's <laughs> like, it. Like, it must be.
2: Yes. I love <laughs> I Kid can't Icarus. It. I, can't, I I would be so ashamed of myself if I didn't get that answer.
0: <laughs> I love it, too. That I I love the original um, NES games so much, and even Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters for Game Boy, which I'm not sure a ton of people remember. But um, that um, when I got to choose which Nintendo game poster to have framed and hanging in my office at work, it was Kid Icarus Uprising. So um, I couldn't believe that game turned ten years ago. Sorry, turned ten this month. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's amazing, uh, right? I I feel
2: like it was it only came out yesterday. Oh my gosh!
0: I know it was was, was. was. one
1: of my favorite. Pit is one of my favorite Smash Bros. characters. Also. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One other bit of trivia is that. um, that this, uh, this game was actually the very first Nintendo 3DS game ever ever shown. It was shown uh, at the reveal of Nintendo 3DS at E3 in 2010. So I remember being in the audience, I think it was at the Kodak Theater in L.A., and seeing um, seeing that trailer play for the first time with that great reveal of Pit jumping into battle and say, sorry to keep you waiting. And I was like, finally, finally we're we getting the new game.
2: I love how comedic the the narrative and the storylines and just the VO was for that game. It was just it just made it so that much more charming.
0: Yeah, it's it's like you're you're in the middle of these really tough battles, but you're just also enjoying this conversation that's constantly going on that's cracking you up.
2: Yeah, so good. I love that game.
0: All right, so we're one for one. Uh, the next question is: This one comes from twenty years ago. This was this one was in February of two thousand and two, and the clues are. Nintendo brought an iconic Super NES platformer to Game Boy Advance, in which Mario or Luigi spin-jumped and glided their way from fortress to fortress in dinosaur land, donning capes and saddling up on a green fruit-eating friend. Any guesses?
2: Oh, no. I'm stumped. (laughs) Camila, you got a guess?
1: What was the platform, Chris?
0: Oh, it's for um, Game Boy Advance. But I did say that it was a game that had originally appeared on Super NES. I can't... No. Last check. Any wild guesses? This version of the game actually included the original Mario Brothers game as a separate mode, too. And the original version of this game was the one that introduced Yoshi for the very first time, if well, that helps.
2: The only game that I can think of where Mario had the cape and it first introduced Yoshi was Super Mario World.
1: It's Yeah, mm-hmm. but I was trying to think. But I can't remember what... had Donkey Kong. Game Boy Advance... Version yep. would have
0: been. Well, I mean, you, you basically knew what it was. It's Super Mario World, Super Mario Advance 2. This was the version of Super Mario World that they released on Game Boy Advance. Oh. oh. There was that whole weird series of games that were all titled Super Mario Advance, you know, Super Mario Advance 2 yes. and so on. But they were like, oh, um, yes, yes,
1: yes. Game
0: Boy Advance versions, yeah. Those I was other like, games. I know it's
1: Super Mario World, but what? Yeah, yes. yes, The Donkey yes, yes. Kong portion. You got is
2: us what there, You got me. us there. Yeah. <laughs> nice job, Chris.
0: <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thirty years ago in February of nineteen ninety-two, uh, here are the clues. Jalico brought a golden age arcade classic to Game Boy, in which a spherical and snouted orange hero hopped up and down a pyramid of cubes, avoiding creatures like coiled snakes, until he inevitably got hit. And swore in unclear, salty language. Any Q-bert? guesses on this? That's it, Kubert. Nice, yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> nice. Camille. Like what orange
1: heroes do I, I know I knew who do I know who speak inappropriate language? <laughs> it I must knew be Q-bert. <laughs> I,
2: <know. laughs> I knew it. I just I knew his name started with a Q. I was just like, I'm gonna butcher his name. I'm gonna let somebody else have it. All right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he would have that word balloon that came up when he got hit—that yes. all the squiggly marks and stuff oh, and my punctuation. Favorite.
1: As a kid, you know, you just delight in that. Like, ooh, this is sort of racy.
0: <laughs> I know he's getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're down to the last bonus question. Um, so I'm going to play a jingle, and you guys can try to guess where it's from. I'll play it twice. So if you know the answer the first time, please hold your answer until I've had a chance to play it twice. And here it goes. <laughs> All right, and one more time. All right, any guesses as to where that's from?
2: Oh, well, I, I know MC. it's that's, I know
1: it's Kirby, yeah. but I don't know what <laughs> Kirby game.
2: That's like <laughs> the that's the Kirby dance whenever you you complete a level. Wouldn't that be the Nintendo Game Boy version? The Kirby's Dreamland?
0: That's exactly right. Yes! Yeah, going back yes! to when you first yes! entered the franchise. <laughs> there's been so many versions of that theme in, in all the Kirby games, you know, throughout the years. But that was from the very first game, Kirby's Dream Land.
1: Amazing. It still sounds great. Right? It holds up, it uh, holds up very well. It's so
2: iconic to Kirby. Like, if if I don't see that dance in a game, I get I get disappointed.
0: <laughs> it is. And I always get a kick out of destroying this massive boss and then Kirby just... Breaking out a little happy dance <laughs> you know, yes. like, well, the boss is basically still fading away, you know
2: he is just so adorable. he's so approachable. He's so round, so pink, so powerful.
0: <laughs> That's why he gets away with the stuff he gets away with. If right? he was an ugly little critter, we'd question what he's doing a lot more. I think
2: <laughs> it's like we we even just glance away that he's just constantly hungry and just inhaling enemies and characters. just like it's okay, Kirby.
0: I know. He cute. just wanders into, like, a, the woods and just starts devouring cute foxes. And we're like, well, <laughs> he's cute, That's too. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, next up is Game Forecast. So before we go, we're going to take a quick look at some of the Nintendo Switch games that either uh, released recently here or are coming soon. And we're going to start on March 15th with Dawn of the Monsters from Way Forward. Also on that day, we had Phantom Breaker Amina from Rocket Panda Games and The Cruel King and The Great Hero from NIS America. Then on March 17th, we had Persona 4 Arena Ultimax from Atlas and Sega. We also had Shredded Secrets from Girls Make Games and Learn District. And then on March 18th, we had Wave 1 of the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass DLC from Nintendo. On March 22nd, there was Rune Factory 5 from Marvelous and Xseed. Um, On March 25th, Kirby and the Forgotten Land from Nintendo. Yes. And then coming up on March 29th is Chris Starr from NIS America. And then on April 5th, we'll have LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga from Traveler's Tales and WB Games. Also on April 5th, uh, we have MLB The Show 22 from MLB Advanced Media. And then on April 7th, Chrono Cross The Radical Dreamers Edition from Square Enix. On April 20th, we have Star Wars The Force Unleashed from Aspire. And then on April 12th, there's 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim from uh, Vanillaware and Sega. And then finally, on April 29th, from Nintendo, we have Nintendo Switch Sports. So, Camille, is there anything here that that you're especially looking forward to?
1: Oh, wow. Well, there's some great games on that list this month, Chris. But I have to say, one that is really special for me and that I'm super excited about is Shredded Secrets, which you mentioned is coming from Girls Make Games. And for those who aren't familiar, this is a phenomenal organization that Nintendo has been working with for the last several years. And they've created a series of summer camps and workshops and game jams that are really designed to inspire and build the next generation of game designers and creators and engineers. And As part of their summer camp program every year, they have this competition called Demo Day, where uh, the top teams of young girls who came together during the summer camp to pitch and create their game ideas uh, get to pitch those concepts to a panel of industry judges. And Shredded Secrets is the game that won the Demo Day competition uh, actually in 2018 and this was created by uh, four at the time. They're middle school girls, now in high school. And the thing I love about this game is it touches on so many different, um, really powerful concepts like bullying and empathy and grief. And throughout it, uh, it's a platforming style game. You get to play as four different characters and experience these different types of emotions. And, you know, for those of us who recall middle school, high school, you know, that's it can be a very volatile time. And this is such a a wonderful take on, I think, that experience from some really talented young women. And I'm so excited. This is the first ever Girls Make Games game that will be published on the Nintendo Switch platform. So definitely encourage uh, everyone to check that one out.
0: That's really cool that that that, you know, that those girls got to make that game and it's actually going to be available for everyone to play on Nintendo Switch. I'm definitely going to check that out. All right, so Teresa, what is the game that maybe pops out to you a little bit more than the others? Like uh, Camille said, there's actually a lot of good stuff here.
2: Yeah, there is, and I'm glad that Camille talked about that game because it's super interesting. It wasn't on my, my eyesight, and now I really want to play it. It's, it sounds amazing, um, and I'm also really, I want to support a more female developers um in the industry that that just sounds really cool yeah uh the game that i'm looking forward to is chrono cross funny enough because i never got to play it when it first came out so i was never in the hype and i know a lot of people there's there's a a little bit of a fan base for that um for that franchise and i'm intrigued by it and i've heard really good stuff about it and I've been listening to the soundtrack uh, quite a lot. Um, I listen to a lot of gaming music soundtrack while I work because it's just pretty pleasant to just kind of focus in. But uh, the soundtrack in the game is amazing, and I'm really excited to see um, it on the on a Nintendo Switch system since um, they were never on the Nintendo platform. Those games in particular, I don't... Well, Chrono Trigger was, but Chrono Cross wasn't. Um, on the Nintendo platform so I really want to play it and I think also that that specific game comes with the I think like a, a prequel or a sequel to the narrative that only came out on mobile so um, I'm just really excited to to play that game when it comes out
0: yeah that sounds awesome too and you know that's another one that I remember you know I've played Chrono Trigger but I never really played Chrono Cross back um, when it first released so Another great opportunity to catch up here on, on a Nintendo Switch. For me, um, like we said, a lot of good stuff here, but uh, I really enjoyed the Wii Sports games back in the day. And I really enjoyed the recent online play test for Nintendo Switch Sports. So that's the game that I can't wait to really get into. And bowling, especially, I had so much fun with during that test. And I really want to get back and play that more online. So uh, I will definitely be diving into that one as soon as it comes out on April 29th. Well, Therese and Camille, that's it. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for coming back. It's always great to have you.
2: Yeah, it was so much fun talking to you both about
1: video games. It's just such a blast. I'm sad it's over. <laughs> I agree. Always a pleasure, Chris. And thank you so much for having me again.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the podcast's over, but we can always keep talking about video games. So be sure to let me know how things go for uh, for you each in uh, Kirby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear your adventures and your experiences in Spirit Fair.
0: Will do. I'll definitely let you know how it goes. All right, thanks.
2: Bye.
1: Bye.
0: That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review. And be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening, and keep playing with power.